Welcome to the New Life Philly podcast. Every week, we share fresh insights as we explore the inexhaustible depths of the Word of God. We pray that you will be encouraged and challenged today as we continue in our study. Let's join in now. There we go. Good morning, New Life family. How are y'all this morning? All right. I mean, y'all are in for a treat. Not because I'm preaching, but because the Lord is here. Amen? The Lord himself is here. You can feel his presence here. You know that he is here today. I mean, talk about that worship. Come on. Praise the Lord. So, good morning. Let's see. Do we have everything rolling up here? All right. Perfect. Perfect. Sweet. Let me just pray for us as we begin our time. Heavenly Father, I thank you that... You are with us always. You are the God that is always with us. That his whole desire is to dwell among his people and that one day we will do that forever. Thank you, God. Thank you that that's what we're going to do. Thank you, God, that you didn't leave us in our mess. You didn't leave us to ourselves, God, but you created a way for us to be with you. Thank you, God, that we can have faith and trust in who you are, God, even with society running rampant, things going crazy, Lord, that you Sustain us, God, by your faith in us, trusting in us, God, and us trusting in you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we get to speak of your name today, Father. And so I ask that you use me, Lord, to speak what you've prepared in me, God, for the people of God this morning. I pray for open hearts and open ears to hear what the Lord is saying. Not what I am saying, what the Lord is saying through me, God. Humble me. Humble us, Lord, as we come to your throne room, as we come to seek you, God, where you may be found. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as they're still working on that, my title of the sermon is, Who's Got the Power? Now, do you have the, you have the, all right, cool. So now, um, when I told people this, like I talked to Pastor Larry and I talked to a couple of my friends, I was like, this is my title, Who's Got the Power? All their response was the same. It was this. That's cool. That's cool. So it's funny, right? It's funny. Oh, I got the power. I was just watching Fresh Prince this week, and I, he was doing that constantly. He's always playing Snap. Um, but the crazy thing is that all the time... When we know where the true power source comes from, where a true power is, we don't live like it. You know, maybe, maybe you're an athlete and you just won a championship. Maybe it's a conference championship. Maybe you're in high school and you think, oh, I got the power. We got the power. We did this ourselves. And you neglect God. Maybe you are in a job, and you've been working, you've been grinding for years, and you finally get that promotion you wanted, and you realize, you think, I got the power. But what happens is when we get stuck in that I got the power mindset, our life, our thoughts, our ideas, our entire mindset becomes centered around us. And we neglect what God is doing, even in the house of God. And so don't miss this, that this sermon isn't about us. It isn't about us being familiar, but it's about us being faithful and God always being faithful to us because we do not have 
the power in ourselves. And now I want to play this other video that is a song by Lecrae called Power Trip. And it just talks about what that looks like when we slip and we think that we have the power and we really don't. So if you can run that. Reality's hitting. Yeah. 
So you see, Christ himself has all the power, and he chooses to use us to display that power to the world and bring his kingdom here. The power of Christ will move through us as we walk in faith. Now, our main focus for this morning is that the power of Jesus works through the faithful, not the familiar. Now, we'll be reading, if it shows up, uh, we'll be reading Mark 6, verses 1 through 13. So what we will be doing is this half of the room will be reading verses 1 through 6, and this half of the room will be reading verses 7 through 12, and we'll all read the last verse together. Sound good? So if you will, please, if you are able to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. All right. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Disciples. All right, here we go. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, Leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. Everyone. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, as Pastor Larry preached last week, we see the power of Jesus healing a woman that was bleeding for 12 years by the touch of his garment. Jesus went out to find who she is, and he addressed her as daughter and told her that it was her faith that made her well. We also saw the power of Jesus raise the synagogue leader Jairus' daughter back to life. Now Jesus heads back to his hometown of Nazareth, And just like we've seen in the other towns he has visited so far in the book of Mark, Jesus is invited to speak in the Sabbath, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus enters Nazareth with his disciples and begins teaching. What we've seen so far, as we read the whole passage, we see the hometown crowd go from amazement to taking offense at Jesus. And in Luke's gospel we actually see the crowd so angry that they try to run Jesus off a cliff. But he escapes. How did this happen? How does someone 
Wait, how can we go from being amazed by Jesus, being amazed by a move of God, to offended by that same move? I want to look at this so we can pay attention to our own hearts when this starts to occur. Now, our first focus for today is familiarity limits God. First, we see the move of God in verse 2 followed directly by a reaction from the crowd. Many that heard him were amazed at the teaching of Jesus. Earlier in Mark, it says that the crowd in the synagogue was amazed at the teaching of Jesus because it carries authority. This is an initial bright spot in Jesus' time in Nazareth. But we know that in life, whenever God shows up, the enemy wants to try to shut it down. And so, the crowd moves from reacting to reasoning in their hearts, to wondering and questioning in their minds, how can this be so? They begin to ask three questions among themselves. And I want to look at this. It is really interesting at exactly the questions they asked. If you think about it, it's not as black and white as they completely rejected him as we think. Because it says, question one, where did this man get these things from? You see, they know him. This is Jesus. Grew up, little baby. You know, as Jose was just up here, you know, everybody knew his son from a little kid. They knew Jesus. They knew who he was. And now he's not Jesus. He's this man. And they also recognize that he isn't doing this out of just his own doing. They say, where did he get these things from? He can't do this by himself. He, there must be something externally that is occurring. So their reasoning is in their heads, and, and they're thinking about that. And the second one, what's this wisdom that has been giving him? So they recognize that what he's saying is wise, is true, is wise at least, at the very least wise, and they recognize it. That's been given to him. It, it hasn't just come out of his brain. That he is, there is wisdom there. They see that, right? And then they say, what are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? Miracles. They called them miracles. So they see that this is something supernatural. This is not every day. This is different than their status quo, than what is normal to them. Yet, This is how they respond. They're thinking through these things, and then they respond with offense. They move, they argue about this, and they say, they they start to question, they start to wonder, what's going on about this? You know, they even say, like, he is the carpenter, he's Mary's son, he's all these things. You see, they, they saw these things. They could have responded in faith. They could have saw this just in the same way that the woman did when she touched Jesus' garment. She touched his garment, and then she responded. Well, when she was learning about who Jesus was, she said, I have to touch his garment because then I'll be healed. So she recognized there was a power there. There was authority there. Jairus, the synagogue leader, the person that would be least likely to know who he is. The person that, you know, they, they believe the law, but they don't know Jesus. Yet, he says, you can heal my daughter. This 
right here could have been the point where the crowd realized, okay, there's something different here. It could have been the point where they realized this is bigger than us and we should respond in faith. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And there are times where we see things, God moves, and our response should be faith. It should be to recognize without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is saying something to me. He is saying something to us corporately, and we are supposed to go and move in it. And because of something that seems familiar, that seems like we know what it really is, we don't act in faith. I know you've felt that before. I know you've seen that before. Now, the thing is, they were familiar, right? They were familiar with who Jesus was, but they were faithless. They weren't trusting in him. Now, because their power was in themselves, because they thought they know that this cannot be the Messiah, from what they know, this must not be true. How many times do we base things that happen in the church, that happen on the street, that are moves of God, but we base them on what we know, what we think is true, and not questioning that it could be God moving in some unfamiliar ways. Because you see here, as they said, they took offense on him. That word, real quick, so the word for offense in Greek is scandaliso. I might have said that wrong, Pastor Larry, I'm sorry. Um, But that word One of the definitions of that word is to put a stumbling block in the way of. And so you see here the familiarity that the people in the synagogue felt, the the way they thought they knew, was the stumbling block that they had in the way of getting close to Jesus. You see, there are many times that we put stumbling blocks of familiarity in the way of getting close to Jesus. Let me give you a couple examples. Your friend, you've known for years. You've seen them in their kind of good, and you've seen them in their bad. You've seen them in their party life. You've seen them in their college phase. You've grown up with them for years. Now they recently decide to give their life for Christ. They're changing. They're even starting to encourage you, but you can't hear it. You don't see it. Because you know what you know. You've known this person. How can they be like this? How can they have changed? How can they actually have changed? This must be a trick. This must be something else. And you begin the process in your head instead of praying to God. What about something else? Maybe this hits close to home. Your adult child is with you. And for years, they grew up in the church. They were familiar. And they leave the church. And now, they are set fire by the Holy Spirit. They are brought to the truth. They are brought to their knees with who God is. But when they come to talk to you about it, you won't listen. You can't see how they've actually changed. You remember when they were young, when they were sinful, when they were unrepentant. You remember when they walked out of church. You don't see who they are now. You see, you can't recognize 
that who they are now in the eyes of God, you only see who they are in the eyes of man. You only see their flesh. You don't see who God is creating them to be. Or maybe you're the only Christian in your family, and suddenly your parents get saved, and your brothers and sisters get saved, and now they're wanting to come to church. They're wanting to to do these things. They're posting Bible verses on Instagram. They're, you know, you name it. And they're really impacted by their faith. But something in your heart is telling you, don't trust it. I don't know. I can't accept them. I can't love them like this. I'm just going to, you know, not worry about it, not think about it. I'm not going to actually respond as anyone else would when, if they told you. If anyone else told you, hey, I just came to the Lord, you say, praise God. But when it's someone familiar, we don't. We miss it. You see, Jesus knew this. He knew that this has been the status quo because he responds to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. He knew this. He understood this. You see, this is hard. I'm not going to be up here and saying that this is something easy. This is something that, you know, we just... We just magically, you know, you hear one thing and then we get over the fact that familiarity is something we struggle with as people. You see, but the thing is that living in familiarity, it doesn't just affect you, but it actually limits God. And in this case, Jesus, who is in this town, and the people are not hearing him. They're taking offense at him. He can't do as many miracles as he usually does as it says in the word. He only could heal a few sick people. Now, when I heard that, I got to like, what do you mean? Like, you know, for me, I'm like, if I could heal, heal a few sick people, I'd be like, praise, like, praise God. Like, it's a great day. You know, like, I did something big. Like, wow, like, you know, God really used me. I healed a few sick people. But the thing is, is that the power of Christ is so big that only healing a few sick people because of the familiarity of the people is a limited expression of the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus is so grand and so vast and so available, but it's not if we get stuck in familiarity and we start to judge. Familiarity brings judgment. You see, I know that familiarity brings judgment because I struggle with it a lot. And I was talking with Pastor Larry. He's like, hey, like, this is a great sermon. I love it. But what about a personal touch? What about something that, you know, you have struggled with familiarity? What about something, you know, that God's brought you through? And I was like, I don't know if I, I'm not sure what what to share. And then Friday, something happened. And I'm like, all right, God, I guess I have to share this. Uh, I guess this is what I have to share. And I don't want to share it. So please bear with me. Um. But I was, I was at a worship night for some of my friends who were hosting a worship night. And I was there and I could, you know, I was like the people. I started, the questions started popping in my head. I knew that this was good. I knew that God was here. But I wasn't there at first because I know these people. I know who they are when they mess up. You know, I know who they are when they're not always walking right. I know who they are. And these questions and these sneers and jerks started going in my mind and, and even like jokes in my head. And I'm like, what is happening? I was, I was sickened with myself. 
Because I was like, why am I doing this? These are God's people. And I could see a pattern back and back in my life of ways that I've been in places where it was familiar, where it was I knew, and I couldn't hear it. I was blind to it. I was blocking it out. And I chose to think about who they really were, who they struggled with, and their struggles and whatever, instead of how God was using them in that moment. Anyone else felt that way, you know what I mean. And you just get in this judging spirit, and you're just judging and judging, and now you've, you're over here, away from where God wanted you when he brought you to this move. He brought you to see what he was doing. You know, we, in the worship song, said, come. He said, come, here, look. This is what I'm doing in the people of God. This is what I'm doing in your friends right now. And I went this way because I was judging, because I moved away from what God was doing. Because the reality is when we start to judge and when we do those things, it makes us feel better. It doesn't make, it makes us feel bigger than we actually are. Because what the enemy likes to do is when someone's exceeding, we like to feel small. We don't like to feel, instead of rising in that level with them and saying, praise the Lord because he has used you in this way and being right there beside them, we try to bring them down because we feel smaller than we should. Now, bear with me as I find these. These are like getting connected. All right, so so you see, as I was just explaining, that through this, we see familiarity can be the process of making someone smaller in your mind. Just like I was saying. But when we go through that route, when we go that way with God, it brings God on our level, right? In a way that can justify our sins, settle with our stagnant walk, and refuse to make changes that Christ calls us to. But when we recognize how big the cross is and how gracious, loving, righteous, and powerful God is, then there is nothing we can do if we are followers of Christ except respond in faith to the power of God at work in our life. Now, you might be wondering, if Jesus knew this, you see, because it said at the end in, I believe, verse 6, Jesus was amazed. If he knew that this was the status quo, if he knew that this is where the people are going to be at, he said, prophets without honor in their hometown. You know, I'm, I'm expecting this. But he was amazed at their unbelief. Why? Because we see that Jesus came not to settle with the status quo, but to build his kingdom with his faithful ones. You see, he doesn't come to just accept what has been, but he comes to change and transform so it's in the likeness of him. That brings us to our second focus, that Jesus empowers his faithful ones. Now, what marks someone as faithful? Well, you see, faithful means remaining loyal and steadfast to the will of God. Let's take a look at, well, I'm going to take a look at uh, Mark 3, verses 31 to 35. It says this, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. 
Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. New Life, we see that the faithful family of God is not built on familiarity, as we just talked about, but on doing the will of God. In the second half of our passage, we see the disciples being empowered to do God's will. Now, it's interesting because this isn't, you know, the A-team. These are the knuckleheads that Bob Hames talked about in a couple weeks ago. You know, the guys that are this ragtag group of disciples that should not be the ones that are picked, but God chooses them. Even the people that a couple weeks ago... When Jesus, they were in the storm, and Jesus calms the storm, he asked them, do you have no faith? Yet, here, Jesus is ready to send them out. Why? That seems really interesting. Well, we see, it's because it's nothing they've done on their own. Instead, they've been blessed with the grace of God to walk closely with Jesus, to listen and obey, and to receive his authority over impure spirits. Now, the Greek word for authority, I love this one because of how it sounds. Exousia. Exousia. The Greek word for authority, exousia, also can be translated power. So Jesus is giving those who, you know, there are people that thought they had the power, they thought that they knew what was going on, but Jesus now gives his power which we know is infinite, is ultimate, is limitless. His limitless power, he plants, he gives into his disciples over the impure spirits. The power of Jesus is given to those who trust him. Now Jesus then sends them out two by two to back up their message. So they need, you know, they want to have someone with them. So they go out by twos. He gives them some very specific instructions. Now, at first, what Jesus lists here are the standard attire for teachers of the time. They would come and they'd be like, oh, these guys are teachers. They would know by the attire, they would know that's what it is. Oh, they're, they're the teachers. We understand that, you know, they're not just some guys, but they're actually coming to teach us something. And they would, you know, and there's a hospitality where they would welcome them into their homes. So Jesus is saying, Go in to the homes of people and stay there. Now, the thing is, he's not, he's saying, don't bring any extra clothes, don't bring any extra food, don't bring your money, don't bring any of that, because if they don't bring that, then they can't rely on themselves. They can't rely on what they have here, but they have to be dependent on others. And most importantly, they have to be dependent on God who will provide for them. So now they're going out, being dependent, independent, dependent on them. Now, I'm not saying that for our next evangelism outreach, Pastor Larry should tell everyone to leave all their belongings at home, stand on the boulevard, and hitchhike your way around Philly preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we should not take these verses lightly, and we should hear them because there are principles that Jesus is emphasizing because by relying less on materials and by living off the kindness of others, the disciples come 
in humility with a powerful message. The disciples, you see, they gave up control of the situation and thus became the ones who are in physical need. So they gave up control and they actually came with need when they were sent out, when they went to preach the gospel. You hear that? You know, they didn't come trying to control how people heard the gospel, how people were were being trolled by the gospel. They didn't come bringing a physical need, but they actually came in need, in humility, so they could bring a spiritual need. And they stayed at the same house they were at. They didn't hop around. You know, they didn't say, I'm a one night here, I'm a one night here, I'm going to go. They stayed at the same house so they could continue building upon those relationships. They could continue staying there. And in the culture, in the Middle Eastern culture of hospitality, it would have been disrespectful if they're like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to go stay at somewhere nicer. No, you'd stay where you were brought because it's hospitality. It's someone that's opening their home for you. Now, the other thing, what we're saying is that they lowered their status, okay? They weren't coming haughty. They weren't coming with swag or drip or any of that. You see, they came humble. They lowered their status to elevate Christ so that the main thing was the main thing. So when we go out and preach the gospel, when we go out and talk to people, build relationships, share with them who Jesus is. Let's keep the main thing the main thing, y'all. Think about that. We can spend time, energy, resources, finances, cultivating the most eloquent words and the best strategy and still miss the mark. But when the message of gospel of the gospel is not only proclaimed but lived out, lived out in faith, expressing itself through love, it brings people to a point of decision. Now, they can either hear what's being said and welcome, welcome you, welcome us, or reject it. Now, if they reject it, Jesus says what to do, to shake off the dust of your feet. That's what he says to his disciples, and keep it moving. Because they've just rejected salvation. It's not just that they rejected you, but they've rejected the message you've brought. Now, what I want to ask you is, it's somewhere here. One second. (laughs) These are crazy. All right. Do you let the thoughts of people affect the message you are called to live out and proclaim? Do you let what people say, if someone says, I don't want to hear that, Are you going to lower the message that you've brought? You're going to try to water it down and make it palatable? Not when that message is the gospel. The gospel isn't meant to be crushed up and put in like medicine that goes down, but it's meant to be medicine for the broken, medicine for the healed. Those that if they hear it, it will bring them life. It will produce life in their soul. We cannot waver. We cannot dumb down the gospel. We can't. We must bring the truth in love. We can't just preach it. We also have to live it. Because if you're not living what you're preaching, are you really preaching what you live? Now, we also need to remember that the gospel is a gift. And that everyone has the ability to take it or to leave it. Now, there were other times 
where the disciples were listening to the words of Jesus, the kingdom of God came, people were healed, demons were cast out, and repentance was preached, transforming people's lives. As we see Jesus empowering his faithful, now we see the result of the power of Jesus working excuse me, through the faithful and not the familiar. Now, our third and final focus for this morning is this. The kingdom of God comes through his faithful ones. Now, when you are living out the power of God and not the power of yourself, opportunities to see his kingdom will start unfolding before you as you walk with Jesus. That's exactly what the disciples did. They preached that people should repent. Now, it gets tricky when you talk about repentance because somewhere along the way, people who claimed Christ thought it was okay to scare people into heaven through fire and brimstone preaching. And now what has happened as a result of that is there were people that were hurt. And so then people decided, oh, let's go the other way. Let's remove repentance out of our preaching. Let's remove it completely. And the thing is, that's not the gospel. It's not. And scaring someone is not the gospel. What is, however, is that repentance is not a scare tactic, but repentance is a way of running back to God to turn from sin that so easily entangles us Because it does, and that's why we constantly have to repent. But through repentance, God gets all the glory. It's not a show for you to say, I've repented. But it's for God to welcome you back and continue to walk with you. We're calling someone to holiness. It's the standard that Christ gave us when we died. We died for us, and now we walk with him. See, the disciples, the other thing was, they drove out demons in the name of Jesus. Here's the reality, and I've said this before, and I want to keep emphasizing it because it's true. Because for some reason, there are people that are preaching that, you know, the devil doesn't exist. There are people that are preaching that that the enemy is, is, is fictional, you know? But the reality is there are people in this world that are oppressed by demonic forces. Christ calls us to set the captives free. So through unbound prayer, as you may know in this church, calling on Jesus' name, We can push back the enemy's attempts to oppress Christians and possess unbelievers. There's a difference. Oppressing of Christians and possessing of unbelievers. We must preach it clearly, folks. Sickness, we know, does not exist in heaven. Doesn't exist in the new earth or the new heavens. So there are times when Christ calls us to heal the sick, as they're doing here. Walking in faith makes all these miracles possible. Now hear me. Just because you walk in faith isn't a magic formula that you just shake up. Let me shake up a little faith and then, and then people will magically be healed. No. But it makes miracles possible through the power of Jesus and only the power of Jesus and His Spirit working through us to bring His kingdom near. This is the result of a life focused on faithfully serving God. You cannot live a faithful life without surrender and obedience to Christ, giving up your ways, your mindset, and your familiarity for faith. I got to ask y'all, 
Do we want to see change in our city, on our street, in your home, in Philly, in Olney, on D Street, in New Life? Let's walk as one body under one spirit in the power of Jesus by faith, remaining loyal and steadfast to God's sovereign plan. You see, as I begin to close, in our world today, church culture and Christian culture have become familiar in our hearts. And serving God faithfully has become the foreign concept. Honestly, I remember a couple weeks ago thinking, when's the last time I saw someone actually come to the Lord? And really wrestling in my heart, is that even possible? We are hurting, folks. We have started to miss things. I have. Now, back to the story I was telling you about. Now, I can't just end with me confessing the sin without talking about how God moved in that instant. Because I would be doing the same thing if I didn't recognize how through me realizing how I was familiar, God had an opportunity to move in my heart. Now, what he reminded me of was Matthew 16. So I began to read Matthew 16 and to highlight some of the chapter. You see, Peter, one of his faithful disciples, actually the person that is most attributed to helping Mark write the Gospel of Mark. Peter claims Jesus as the Christ. Jesus says, who do you think I am? They say, well, some say you're this, some say you're that. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Amazing moment. Now later, a a paragraph down, Jesus reveals his plan. He says, the Son of Man must die and he'll be raised to life. Peter's not having that. He snaps. He's like, nah, Jesus, that's not happening, bro. All right, he didn't say quite that. But what he did say is in verse 22, he said, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, Peter got familiar with Jesus. He thought he knew the plan, but he really didn't. Trusted in his own thoughts, his own strategy, instead of trusting in Jesus. In reality, I felt like that. Have y'all felt like that? Where you've had a moment where you are on fire for God and then the next breath, you're missing it. You see, however, through this, Peter is loved by Jesus. He is still brought close to Jesus. He messes up. Any of us, we can get like this, put our own understanding above faith in God. But get this, this isn't where Peter's story ends. It's not. And when you struggle with familiarity and judgment, just like I do, if you are in Christ, that is not where your story ends either. Amen? Because Jesus loves you through your highs 
and your lows, your faithful moments and your faithless struggles. Jesus loves you enough to walk this walk of faith with you. And the power of Jesus, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that is going to raise you up on the last day, that power works through the faithful and not the familiar. When it comes to living for Jesus, are you simply familiar with your words? Do you say, you respond the Christian answer. Oh, I, I know God. He's great. He's awesome. I know him. You know, I, I got him. He's great. He's, he's, he's working all plans out for my good. But are you faithful in your actions? Have we counted the cost, family? And if so, then let's go. It starts here, in this neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in all of North Philly, to be obedient to God by being faithful to what God has given us, to see lives changed by the power of the gospel that Christ himself has given us. Us once, who were far, have been brought near. Here's some questions to consider as you're going out to lunch, because I don't want this to just stop here. We don't want to just... Listen to this sermon and say, wow, this was great. Maybe I'll listen to it later. But let's continue to discuss as a body, as your family, as your friends together, these things. You can take a picture of this. You can, you know, write this down. We're going to leave this up here. You know, I'll even put it back. We can put it back up here later for you to realize. I just want to walk through these questions. How do you see Jesus and how do you treat Jesus? Are they different? Why? Does God see you as familiar or faithful. Now, have you been living life on familiarity alone instead of faith? And what area of your life do you need to walk in the power and authority of Jesus this week? I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me with you. Um, real quick, um, I'm going to pray, but before I pray, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone. Um, thank you to Pastor Larry and Pastor Tim for constantly molding me and shaping me. Thank you to my parents for supporting me and loving me. Thank you for everyone being here today, God. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Let me pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, God. Lord, help us. We need your help. We get familiar. We get stuck. We start judging others around us instead of seeing how you want to move in us, how you want to change us, how you want to continue little by little working your grace through us, God. It is by grace alone that we are saved. Let us remember that when we try to live on our own works, when we try to work extra hard to get to your favor, to get to your word, to get close to you. Help us remember that, God. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. Let us walk in faith, not in what we know, but in who we know, that we know you, and you will pull us through all things all suffering, all things, God. We love you, Lord. Let us go out here and proclaim your name in Olney, in D Street, and to the ends of the earth, Father. Grant us your wisdom, grant us your power, and Lord, protect us from any spiritual attacks and spiritual warfare today, God. Protect us, keep us close. In your name we pray, amen. We hope that you've been blessed today by the preaching of God's Word. Join us every week for fresh insights on the New Life Philly podcast. 
If you would like to reach out to our church for more information or if there's some way we can pray for you, please visit newlifephilly.net or email newlife at newlifephilly.net. May the Lord richly bless you this week.